Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets to snuggle under for family movie nights or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home Threads. Love where you live. Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. This week's questions are about a toddler who talks about hitting another child, but the parent isn't getting any other information to corroborate whether or not it's really happening. And she wants to know how to handle it when her child says he hit another child. The second question is about bedtime and nighttime fears about monsters and how to deal with those. So our first question is from Jane and she wrote in another question before. So she says, Hi, Erin. Thanks for the response. I'm working my way through the courses as I have time. I stay at home with my toddler and baby, so some days I have more time than others. We all can understand that. I do have one quick question in the meantime. I am not sure it is a common issue, so I wanted to ask in case the courses do not address it. My two-and-a-half-year-old speaks very, very well for his age, and he also has an extremely good memory. Not sure if that's normal at this age. That being said, he often talks about hitting. Sometimes it's a past event when he hit another kid, even as far back as six or seven months ago. But often he will tell us a made-up story and in passing will say he hit or kicked, etc. I don't know what to do when he talks about hitting or kicking. This has gone on for a while. I used to tell him that hitting wasn't nice and we don't hit, but that didn't seem to change anything. I have started just to ignore it completely when he mentions hitting, but I'm not sure if that's the best approach either. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Also, the one, two, three magic is working wonderfully for us so far. Before the course, I would count to three, but failed to leave enough time when counting and wouldn't always follow through. Thanks again, Jane. So for Jane, I am so glad that this is working well. I loved one, two, three magic, and I still have to count with my six-year-old son on a rare occasion when he's ignoring me, just so he understands that the consequence is about to fall. 
So there are two pieces to your question. First is the reality versus the fantasy piece. The second is teaching about hitting. Now it's interesting because they're overlapping in this case because he's talking about it rather than you seeing him do it. Well, you might experience that as well, but in this case, we're just talking about the talking about hitting. So I'm gonna talk about the reality versus fantasy piece for a moment. Now kids under seven have a difficult time differentiating fantasy from reality. It isn't until around seven or eight that they really are able to understand and know the difference fully. You'll see it come on board as they'll start to get it, but really around eight is where they really understand the full difference between the fantasy and the reality and their dreams and their waking life. So dreams, nightmares, things they see on TV can all seem very real. And despite our efforts to explain, they just don't understand it until they reach late seven, even eight. So at two and a half is really early. It could be completely made up and most likely is in these cases. Also, just for reference, my oldest was very much the same way, had a huge vocabulary, would speak in full paragraphs by two and a half. He also had and still has a memory like a steel trap. Yet even so, he would tell lots of stories as well. And chances are, this is just made up. But when your son is just talking about it, but you haven't seen it, then it's still a good chance to have a conversation about hitting. I wouldn't ask if it really happened because no matter what he says, you won't really know. He could be asking to see what your reaction is. He could have seen it and doesn't remember who actually did what to whom. Who knows? So you can just have a conversation. Do you think it's nice to hit or not nice to hit? If we get mad at someone, what are some other things we could do instead of hitting? You'll probably need to coach him through some answers like walk away or go get help from an adult, take five deep breaths, let's practice. And you can ask him what sounds right to him or sounds like a good method he would like to try. So if you say something like, how about taking five deep breaths? Why don't we practice right now? The other answer could be we use our words to tell the other child why we're mad. Now the second piece is the hitting and kicking piece. So this is what we, you would do if you actually saw him hit someone. And I know this is not your question, but if you do happen to see him hit at some point or for any other parents who are dealing with this and don't be surprised if or when you do, it's very common for toddlers two and three years old, even into fours, sometimes five, that they react to something they don't like with a hitting or kicking, scratching, etc. So you can use these tactics. Now, I'm not sure what all you've listened to or watched, but again, very normal reactions at this age. However, they are not acceptable. So it just means we teach better ways of reacting and some conflict resolution skills. Now, of course, you can only do this if you actually see it happen or another child will walk up and say, he hit me. But this would include things like pulling him aside and discussing that we don't hit, kick, etc that we use our words and coach him on words to use. So depending on the situation, you would figure out exactly what happened and you could teach him, let's say a child um, grabbed a toy from him. So you could coach him to say, I was playing with that toy, please give it back and then have him practice it. So this will get this into his memory. will take some time, but this will help him get used to using his words instead of hitting or kicking. Then an appropriate consequence, so if a child throws a toy, it means they lose the toy for five minutes. Or if they're hitting a friend, it means after coaching, he may need to sit out for a few more minutes. 
and then he can try again. It's a logical consequence because if he can't play nice, then he doesn't get to play with his friend for a few minutes. If it happens again, then it could mean the friend has to leave or he has to leave the park with you, wherever you are. Again, that's only if you see it in person and are watching this unfold. If he says he hit another child in the midst of a story, then you just wanna coach about hitting. Again, like I said earlier, why did you hit your friend? Do you think that's nice to hit? How do you think your friend feels when he gets hit? What could you do to let your friend know you were upset besides hitting? Or what can you do to calm yourself down before you talk to your friend? Then obviously you would wait for answers in between, discuss the answers or prompt for answers as you need them. Our next question is from Crystal about her daughter's fear of monsters. Crystal asks, something that we're faced with right now is a fear of monsters at night. We were thinking about converting her crib to a toddler bed because she shows readiness for nighttime potty training. But just as we were planning on it, then she developed this fear of monsters. It feels like it just came out of the blue. If she had seen any shows with monsters in them, I didn't know about it. I figure maybe some kids at church were talking about monsters. I have no idea. I don't want to go ahead with converting the crib because I'm afraid that it will just make it worse. So I'm curious, what tips do you have for dealing with fear of dark and fear of monsters? I bought an extra light for her room to help light up the corner of her crib. And we purchased a Hue light bulb for her lamp, which I have been using as an additional nightlight. We told her that all of her buddies are guarding against monsters, which is pretty much everything in her room with a face on it. We've also tried telling her that monsters are just pretend. She often says during the day, I don't want the monsters to get me. And I'll tell her something like, I don't think those monsters can get you. You have plenty of buddies looking out for them. So two nights ago, I just caved and camped out in her room in a sleeping bag. My husband doesn't want one of us sleeping in a room because we've worked so hard at sleep training. So he tells her that he'll sit in the hallway to look out and that he'll check on her in a few minutes. So this is a great question, very common in these toddler years to have these fears, these nighttime fears of monsters and other things. So I'm gonna get to this answer right after a word from our sponsor. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-you styles. My favorite thing about Armoire is all the different style and occasion options from casual to athleisure to night out, work formal, work casual, a total of eight different occasions, three weather options, and 11 categories, including accessories, outerwear, and blazers, just to name a few. With Armoire, you can always have something new to wear without the hassle and closet clutter. You know the feeling. You open your closet, it's full, but you have quite literally nothing to wear. You're bored with everything in there. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high quality designer clothes for every occasion. Whether you're planning your outfit for date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for a black tie event, you will be the best dressed person in the room. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off the first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash parenting. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E 
style slash parenting to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important. But did you know indoor air quality can be up to 100 times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep, and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T. P-U-R-O-A-I-R dot com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. As I mentioned before the break, this is a very common stage in toddlers. Imagination really starts to develop in these toddler years. And so monsters and nightmares are very common occurrences through the age of four and should mostly or completely go away by five or shortly into turning five, sometimes earlier, depending on the child. So it's hard to know where, if anywhere, your daughter has learned about this. They just seem to be a common fear among young children. So here are some things you can do. And this is for everyone out here who's dealing with this. So limit TV, particularly anything with scary or violent, content. And Crystal, I know you said you don't do anything scary. So it sounds like her fears are not coming from seeing anything on TV. But for anyone else who's having the issue, this is a really important piece because it can and usually does elevate the imagination and these fears. Also, limit rough play before bed as that just gets the endorphins running and can also key up the mind before bed and get that imagination running. The next tip is don't minimize or brush off or try to extinguish the fears. So that would be saying something like, oh, that's just silly. Instead, you wanna tell your child how it's normal for growing kids to have these fears and how you had these fears when you were growing up. Now, I personally remember being afraid of monsters and witches under my bed. I was afraid they would grab my feet if I stepped off the bed. So when I went to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I would jump way out from the bed onto the floor. Then when I came back to bed, I'd take this flying leap, run in from the door and leap onto my bed so that they couldn't grab my feet. You wanna encourage your child to talk about it. Now this is perfect for you, Crystal, because during the day she's saying she doesn't want the monsters to get her. This is the perfect time to do this. You're gonna give her the platform to talk about the imaginary monster and even have her draw a picture of what she thinks the monster looks like. Also, and this is such a common piece of advice, don't chase the monster away. You often hear advice to eliminate these fears 
for parents to scare the monster away using monster spray or to take a walk into the bedroom and look under the bed and in the closet and chase the monster out of the bedroom. But not only is this dishonest, but it also reinforces that there really is a monster in the room, which can actually make it worse. So you want to keep telling the truth. Monsters are not real. They're only pretend characters on TV or storybooks or things we make up in our head. So it's our job to help our child separate real from imaginary. Now, just like the last question, these hook together, right? Imagination is coming on board. They have a hard time separating reality from their imagination, from the fantasy. So we're just going to keep helping point this out. Dreams aren't real. The monsters that they're imagining aren't real. The characters on TV aren't real. We're going to keep talking about that. What's real? What's not? Now, this is kind of a funny story. I had had this talk with, um, with my oldest son about how monsters aren't real. And we were talking about Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc. And I said, Mike Wazowski is just on TV. He's not real. We are at Disneyland and we walk around the corner and who do we see but Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Someone dressed up in their costume and he got me. He's like, you told me he wasn't real, but he is. He's right there. And what was I going to say? I didn't want to ruin. <laughs> I didn't want to ruin that for him and tell him, well, that's just somebody dressed up in a costume because that just didn't seem right either. So I sort of had to eat my words in that moment. <laughs> but he got me. Also, you can install a light with a dimmer. All my kids have dimmers in their room. So you can control the light to a greater degree than you can with a lamp or a night light. So when our kids went through this stage, each one of them, they went through it. One of them big time, the other two only a little. But we had some nights where and this was our oldest, that he went to sleep with the light on almost full blast. Or we'd get up in the middle of the night and he would have turned it on full at some point in the middle of the night. It was fine with us. As long as he was falling asleep feeling safe, that was all that mattered. Lastly, know that this is a stage. It can take some time to get through and you will have some bumpy bedtimes and even nighttimes. But with these tips, it will help you understand that it's a stage and it will also make these nights farther and fewer between. So Crystal, I think that, you know, when you start talking more about how monsters aren't real, sort of helping her differentiate fantasy and reality, get some more light into the room to where she feels comfortable, you'll see this becoming less and less of a problem. Also, when it comes to changing to the toddler bed, you can decide what feels right for you in this situation. Now, usually once a child can climb out of the crib, that's the time you know it's time to make that change just because you want to cut down on the danger factor of them trying to climb out falling and getting hurt so i'm not sure if your concern is that she will be more mobile to come get you when she gets scared or if you think that her being closer to the floor will feel less protected or if she doesn't have the four sides on the crib that she'll feel less protected but this is up to you you can decide the monster stage will take some time to work through but being honest about the monsters, helping her check through her room, right? Walking in, looking in the closet with her, looking under the bed, saying, see, no monsters, getting a dimmer light that you can keep up brighter and just supporting her through her fears will help make this stage easier for everyone. If you have a parenting question you would like answered, please send them to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.